Welcome to Transform with Yayati. My name is Yayati Desai and I'm going to be your host for this show. I'm a coach and a speaker. I love coaching and helping people. My mission in life is to transform lives. Each week, I bring an inspiring person or message to transform your life and help you live the life of your dreams. Hi Steve, welcome to Transform with Yayati. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm honored you're inviting me in for a conversation. Thank you. And first of all, I'd like to begin this interview with a lot of gratitude that I have for you. And I really want to acknowledge you because back in 2015 while I was in my masters, I was doing my masters in human resource development and I had decided that I want to be a coach, but I had no idea of how to get started. and that's when one of the professors he recommended one of your books which is nine lies that are holding your business back and the truth that will set you free and that's when i discovered i had heard of coaching but i never really read a book about coaching and how coaching can transform businesses and lives and that's where i read about you that's where i read about your wonderful and amazing coach the ultimate steve hardison and that's how my journey as a coach started in 2016 so i have like I, i really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing the work that you have done and it is my pleasure and honor to be able to be live with you and interview you today oh thank you so much i'm i'm very touched by that thank you and i also want to acknowledge you like you've written more than 30 books and you say that you've lost count of it and i'm like i'm just one of those people there are so many there are hundreds maybe thousands of people who you've impacted so i think you've done an amazing work and it is like being able to have a slice of your wisdom today in the couple of minutes or the couple of hours that we were to spend together i think i'm really blessed and lucky to be able to do that so thank you so much once again for agreeing to do this you're very welcome yes so I'd like to get started about by knowing your point of view about what transformation means because you uh you are a transformational coach and you've you you help people you've helped people in so many different areas it could be business it could be relationship then there's time warrior there's wealth warrior it's about being fearless being about reinventing yourself so what does transformation mean according to you well i see it as a a kind of uh elevated word for change mm. and so uh people want change for the better and they want it um to to have a better life to make and 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 change the desires people have for change or transformation um come in different areas some people want change in how they manage their time or whether they can be a better salesperson or have a better relationship with their family um a lot of times business leaders are doing very well financially in business but they've neglected their family and they don't even when they're with their family they're on their phone or their mind is elsewhere and their family relations aren't what they want them to be so they want that to change hmm. so um life coaches and business coaches have learned skills over time to assist people in change however they coach and if the coaching is successful and the change really does occur um then that person who experiences transformation usually tells other people about it and so it rolls from there it's a fairly new profession in the world it hasn't been around i was um when i was first starting my career there were no life coaches in the world there were psychologists um and so if you felt you wanted a mental change or a psychological change emotional change your only option was either to go to your spiritual teacher your whatever uh spirituality you are engaged with 
or you go to a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Those were the only options. And they were radical options. And But um, life coaching kind of combines those two and makes it more user-friendly. So you just have another person partnering with you to assist you in change or transformation. You can charge more money if you call it transformation. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think one thing which I really loved about how you described life coaching is it's a combination of being the psychologist and the spiritual part. And I think that's absolutely true. So yes. thank you. Thank you for that. Now, you've helped people change in different aspects of life. Like the books that you've written, they've evolved over time. The topics that you talk about, they've evolved over time. But is there any underlying process about change? Like Let's say if I want to change my relationship or if I want to change my business, if I want to earn more money. But we all have this innate desire of change, of being better, having better, having a better life, right? So yes. is, is, have you figured out, I'm sure you have, but can you share with me what is the fundamental process of change that if one needs to change or transform an area of their life, the, one who is, the ones who are listening to this, how do they get started and where do they start? I think um, if, when I work with people, the best place to start is to look at what do you believe is permanent about you? Um, most people, more than 90%, they believe that the reason they don't change is because of some, something permanent in them. And I believe they have character flaws and personality defects. So um, they they believe they're stuck with that. That's they think that's just the way I am. Right. And my father was that grandfather was that way. And so they get a picture of their personality being permanent. And so skillful successful life coaching that I've experienced from my coach and uh, that I've tried to practice with him as my role model. Um, first, the first stage is to allow people to see that what they believe is permanent, what they're believing about themselves is not permanent and uh, is very changeable. And this has been proven to be true in neuroscience in the last 10 or 15 years. They have discovered the brain itself can change, neuroplasticity. They've studied um, meditators and monks and spiritual teachers from Tibet and from India who go into, um, the brains are studied. And they, they have parts of the brain that, that are lighting up that other people don't have that they have developed through meditation. And so they have proven to the world, they, they've known it for hundreds of years, but they've proven to the world that if you, if you, are, if you are not very compassionate, let's say, I'm not very compassionate about other people. Okay. I judge them. Uh, I am. I don't. I don't have a capacity for trusting, and I'm not compassionate about my family or my my workers. So I criticize them. I judge them, but I don't really understand them, and they don't really feel understood. Now, most people think that's a permanent. That's just what they're like. I'm only, that's, that's how I am, but that's not true. Um, meditation on loving compassion is, has been proven even scientifically now to change the brain. And so if I meditate every morning and if I do my meta meditation, loving compassion toward others, there's part of the brain, part of 
which then tra translates to my thinking process about other people. And then over time, I notice I'm more interested in understanding and, and identifying with a person with problems instead of just criticizing them and judging them. So, so that's the fundamental underlying um, approach in coaching. Life coaching is really effective, is to help people see that what they want to change, um, they're not stuck because of anything permanent. Hmm. It's, only, it's only practice and a willingness to see a, a larger version of yourself and we are often taught, we're given a name, and you go to a family, and the family will say, oh, my one daughter is, and, and this son is very outgoing. Mm -hmm. So from the, from the early life, we are told what our permanent uh, qualities are by our parents, and we believe it. Uh, you're you're disorganized. You're lazy. You don't care about others. Uh, parents tell that to their children, and and that gets in there. But that is not permanent. It's like uh, telling a child, um, "You don't speak Spanish." Uh, no, but the child now believes. I'm incapable of speaking Spanish. Right. So, so that's the fundamental to ask. Why do you think change hasn't happened yet? I mean, you want to change. You would like to be more compassionate with your wife, or you'd like to be a better listener when she speaks. Um, why do you think that's not occurring? And they then reveal what beliefs they have about themselves that they think are permanent. And a skillful life coach will show over time through listening and questioning that that person is not stuck. There's nothing permanent there. If you want to learn Spanish and you don't speak Spanish now, that's not because it's part of your permanent characteristic that you don't speak Spanish. You've simply not learned it. Right. And is it true that what we keep on believing about ourselves is because of the story we keep telling that, okay, I'm like this. It's because I was born like this. I was born into a family like this, or I experienced these things. So how do we shift those stories? Like how, how can we do the shift the stories on our own? Like if someone listening realizes that I have a story about myself, how do you bring a shift? Well, there are wonderful books that um, can guide you. There are wonderful um, YouTube talks by teachers who can, um, can guide you into various forms of self-inquiry and reflection. If you don't have a coach, not everyone can afford a coach or even find one in certain parts of the world, right. then I would recommend follow your heart and, and really explore, um, is my personality permanent? How can I be happier? So, so I want to look at what I want. How can I be a better businessman? I've inherited my business from my family and now, now I have to run a business and I'm a terrible businessman. Now you mentioned uh, the nine lies that are holding your business back. That was a book that I wrote with another business coach about how we helped small businesses hmm. um, grow and become more productive and more successful. And it was directed at the leader of the business. If you have a business and, and then the nine lies, that really meant nine stories you tell yourself. Yes. 
that are getting in the way. Now, what we tried to do in that book is have the book be like a coach. Hmm. So um, you're thinking one thing about um, your business, and we're saying uh, that's not really true. Consider the possibility that you can go in a different direction and then practice going in the different direction. So there are wonderful books. There are wonderful um, videos that you don't, that, that can guide you if you don't have a coach. Right. And talking about books, one theme that I've observed in all the books that I've heard about, like heard from you, or that the books that I've read is simplicity and humor. Like I find that in each and every book, like even the, the chapters that you write, they're very small and there's always an action. So I was curious about like, how did you develop this ability to articulate change in such simple words and also add humor to it? I, I think um, for me, it was very hard for me because when I began um, my life as uh, an adult with, and I had children, and I had all kinds of negative beliefs about myself, all kinds of stories I kept telling myself. I'm not organized. I, I don't have uh, I don't have goals. I don't have ambition. Um, I have too much fear. I have no courage whatsoever. And, and so these stories I keep telling myself. Um, my coach helped me with those stories. And I began to see um, change is possible. And so, so that happened for me. And then I also noticed uh, as I went through that reinvention process hmm. that, that ideas were more powerful when they were simple. And as they got more complex, it, it was harder for me to understand exactly what to do. Yes. And so um, I learned along the way that keeping it simple was more effective. It, it gave people a, a clearer picture of what they could do, other than trying to sound educated and intellectual and use words like transformation and neuroplasticity and things like that would, would, con it would confuse me. Yes. So simplicity became a, um, a real goal of mine. Uh, I want to keep it simple. So if I write a chapter in a book and I say, um, would my um, young son understand this? Or, or is this understandable? Is it simple? So, so that became an ongoing uh, guideline for me. As far as humor, um, I, I've always noticed that, that when I feel lighthearted and, and happy, I, I get better ideas, I have better energy, I'm better with other people. Creativity comes along with that, innovation. Hmm. And when I'm in a low mood or really serious, you've got to get serious about this, son or you will never have a life. The, the more serious I got, the lower my mood, and the less creative I was. And so I want to deliberately keep things lighthearted and not make them so serious that, that it brings fear up. I don't know if I can do this. This is too serious. This is a life or death matter for me. But when, why don't you create something? Why don't you have fun with it? Then, then ideas would open up. So, so that's, that's why those two things you mentioned are very important to me. And this reminds me of one of the things that you mentioned in your audio course on reinventing yourself in the audio book. And you, you said that one of the ladies, she came to you in a supermarket and she thanked you for 
a particular part of the course. Yes, I remember that. I had, I had uh, in one of my courses, I had drawn a ladder on the whiteboard. Yes. And I wanted to illustrate that when you're up in a higher mood, good spirits, um, lighthearted, creative, uh, compassionate, how we are with young children, forgiving, um, not threatened, that we produce more, our performance is better. And when we're in a lower mood, fearful, um, not trusting, angry, frustrated, discouraged, um, we want to create in the world isn't happening because right. I, I'm I'm too self-focused. So I drew this letter and she came up to me and, and said, um, I'll, I'll never forget that. And I, I think about it all the time. And, and I couldn't remember that I had drawn it. And she said, it's the best thing about what you teach. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's the best thing. I don't even teach it anymore. So uh, that, that's, how, that's how courses evolve, is when people tell you what really landed. Thank you. But one thing, what, what happens is, suppose if someone is wanting to change something, the natural, like the natural emotion to have or the natural way of being is being shrink, being stressed, being very serious and being very, you know, kind of that, that heavy energy around it. Right. Yes. So how do we shift that? Because it's it's one thing to listen and say that okay, we need to be a good spirit, we need to be lighthearted. But then when we are in that zone, it's really difficult to be that. So how does one yes. shift that? Well, it doesn't happen. It usually doesn't happen overnight. First of all, I have to see. For example. You use the word natural, their natural way of being. Yes. Which seems to suggest that it's permanent, right? It's natural. It's part of my nature, mm. my permanent identity. But the first way people shift is when they see it's not natural. Right. It is habitual. It's habitual. Yes. And so um, that's all it is. And if I habitually um, speak English and my family and I moved to uh, Mexico City where everyone speaks Spanish and I to get along I have to speak Spanish now um, it's the same process so a natural speaker of English I'm a habitual speaker of English Hmm. It was taught to me. Wow. If I think it's natural, if I think it's just this is how I speak, um, then learning Spanish will be very hard. It, hmm. will, it will look impossible. Yes. Uh, I'll go out in the world and, and try to speak Spanish, and uh, it won't go well, and I'll be embarrassed, and I will just say, well, I need a translator to follow me everywhere I go. Hmm. That's the only solution. Or else I need to simply stay in my house and never interact. Now, when people see that it's not natural, it's only habitual. habitual. It's a series of habits. Yeah. It's a series of habits. And... Um, then they then they see the possibility. Oh, I don't have to live down here with fearful thoughts guiding my life. They're only thoughts. They're not true. Right. And so when somebody can see that, the coach helps them see it, or a book can help them see it, um, then they begin to open up more. There's more possibility for me at the level of who I'm being. Hmm. And if I practice anything, being a better listener, if I practice being more organized, um, then, and I keep practicing it, it becomes the new habit 
But now that I'm enlightened about change, that that anything about me can change through practice, I see possibility and I start to uh, play with it. Wow. I really love the distinction which you made is it's not natural, it's habitual. And what seems yes. natural to you, it's just habitual. That, that's that's yes. what one needs to realize. And then, yes. like, that's how we built one habit, we can build another habit of, of being in the process of change. Right? Yes. That makes it easy. That's it, exactly. Because the first habits were built unconsciously. Hmm. But the, the goal is to have, once you wake up to your own innate creativity, your own freedom and power to, cre to create the habits you want, instead of being a victim of the habits that got developed unconsciously, um, then, then the fun begins. Right. Because then, well, what, what, what would I like to have occur like it feels natural? So if I, if I go to England and they drive on, on the opposite side of the road, that I drive on in America. I don't know, in your country, do you drive on the right side of we drive the road? On the left. You drive on the left, like England, right? Like England. So if I come to visit you and I rent a car, and my habit is to drive on the right, I could lose my life if, I, if I'm an unconscious victim of that habit, right? I just, here I'm going and a truck is coming. Hmm. And I, I'm saying, what's, what's, what's wrong with that truck? I make the truck wrong. Hmm. Um, but if I stay in your country for a number of, of years or even months, the next, every day I, I go for a drive, I dr remind myself that I want to understand that driving on the other side is proper now and safe. And, and it takes conscious reminding to build the new habit. But I can do it. Anyone can do it. Beautiful. One word which you mentioned right now, being a victim. And you have talked about it in uh, many of your books, the distinction of being a victim versus being, being an owner. So can you throw some light on that, like the distinction of being a victim, victim versus owner? Yes. Um, that was uh, <clears throat> something that really helped me, uh, and I got and I received that from reading books by um, an obscure British philosopher by the name of Colin Wilson, and his philosophy of humanity was: you might be a literal victim of oppression or abuse or whatever but you don't have to be a mental victim. Hmm. And um, we, are, we get in the habit of being, we can get into the habit of being a victim, by which I mean thinking like a victim. Right. Like um, not appreciating things, making them wrong, or being upset that things change. So I'm a victim of circumstance. And so I'm habitually thinking like a victim. Mm. So whenever somebody, when, an, when a nice situation arises, the sun comes out, it's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah, but it won't last because of climate change. It's going to rain and then it's going to snow. So, so I'm victim thinking. Right. And so I, so the victim mindset, that's a simplification of having developed unconsciously, subconsciously, um, the kind of habitual thinking that I'm a victim, I'm victimized, this is unfair, this shouldn't be happening to me. And pretty soon it becomes so um, profound and all-encompassing that, that everything that happens is is aimed at me. Like, I look out the window, it rains, and I say, why me? Hmm. 
why is this happening to me? And, and so that that is habitual victim thinking. It doesn't have to be permanent. Hmm. And so so that's one way to look at everything. It's like, uh, this will never work. This is uh, this company is uh, not fun to work in. They don't appreciate me. <clears throat> Nobody appreciates me. And, um, and, and if I think that way, that's the filter through which uh, I hear everything. Um, so my, my wife says, you're wonderful. And I say, okay, what, what does she want now? Hmm. She wants me to buy her something or she wants something. She, or, uh, she, uh, otherwise, she wouldn't say that. And, and then the ownership is another way of thinking, and that is I take full responsibility. I can, if I want to. Take full responsibility for how I respond and how I think and how how I see things, my worldview. Right. And uh, and then I talk. If I take full responsibility for my creative power to develop my thinking in a different direction, more optimistic, by which I mean more possibility aware. Um. I can develop that over time, and then I can notice through experimentation that the development of taking ownership of my own creative power gets me a better life, changes life for the better. So now once I start to see that, then um, I practice it more and more. Sure. And I don't have to believe, I don't have to believe it at the start. That's where a lot of people go wrong. Yes. So they say, I don't believe that. You know, I believe you are who you are. Yeah. Well, you don't have to believe it. You only have to be open to the possibility hmm. that that might work for you. And, and be willing to experiment for yourself. Thank you. So just be willing to shift the gear and from being a victim to being an owner and be open to a lot of experiments and then see what works out. Yes. Uh, Steve, you've been very candid about the struggles that you've had over years, over the last few decades. Like I've, I've heard it in some of your interviews and I've heard it in your audios, but what's the biggest struggle now that you are almost, you're, you're retired right now? Semi-retired. Semi-retired. Okay. Not fully retired. Right. Um, doing a lot. Still writing books. A little bit of coaching here and there. Right. But um, yes. Awesome. So if you were to like look back and think of, or if you could share one of your struggles that you've had, and then how did you overcome it? And what did you learn during that process? What do you share? I think... The biggest struggle I had was um, addiction to alcohol. And um, it was a struggle many years. And I told myself the story that um, this is not an addiction. This is, uh, I need this. This is my only refuge. Hmm. This is the only way for me to survive life hmm. is to be able to drink great quantities of alcohol. And um, so I was telling myself stories that were in denial of what was actually happening. And finally, a friend of mine uh, was courageous and loving enough to tell me directly and i really admired him he was a writer and i looked up to him and he said you're not just this wild and crazy poet like dylan thomas who drank himself to death which is what you now think you are okay. you are an alcoholic you are addicted to alcohol it's very simple and unless you get help um you will die and you will also become less, more and more unhappy and depressed and angry as you go. 
um, the quality of your life will diminish day after day. And uh, you will not be able to have relationships where anyone trusts you. And you will die from liver disease or a car accident or something like that. Because that's what happens when people are addicted to that degree. Right. And it was the truth. And I finally um, allowed myself to see he was telling me the truth. And so what I did was I asked for help. And I asked for someone who was going to recovery meetings if he would take me to one. Hmm. So that was a big turnaround in my life because what it showed me was um, I can ask for help. My ego, which had been inflated, it's really weird. You become a, a, a really bad alcoholic person, but your ego grows bigger. And so um, my my ego had not allowed me to ask for help and my ego had on me to even see that I needed help. So what I saw then was when I asked for help, now this is looking back on it, I now had access to uh, everyone, everyone in that recovery meeting, I had access to their experience and their loving guidance, and their willingness to help. So it's like all of a sudden I saw, I'm not just one person, I'm 12 people. Wow. That's more powerful than self-obsession, hmm. than trying to go it alone. And that was a big guide for me, because then with other struggles along the way, like I had financial debts, I knew that I could ask for help. Someone guide me, help me with these creditors, help me learn to get out of debt. And I started uh, my business and I, I ran it poorly. And, and, but I knew I could ask for help. Who can advise me on running this better? I started my coaching practice. I couldn't get clients. And who can help me get clients? Who can teach me? So, so that was the that was the uh, that was the worst struggle I had. But it relates to every struggle that came after that. Mm. And the answer was always the same: reach out. Don't be. You don't have to be alone. Yes, I think the most beautiful part about what you shared is you can like you're not alone, and like but like you said, you have twelve people. Like I'm. You have 12 resources, 12 different ways of thinking, 12 yes. different access for action. And that like lightens your burden. Yes. Because we, when we, when we are sitting and we are thinking that, okay, this is what I need to change, but I don't know how. We don't have access to action, which is why we feel stuck. Yes. But when we have people around us, I think that's brilliant. Wow. So asking for help is the crux of change. Okay, can we say that? Yes. Absolutely. That's the path to take. Yes. Because there are people who love helping. Yes. And who are very good at it. And it doesn't mean anything negative about me that I had to ask for help. Hmm. It it although most people think that. I hate to ask for help. I should know how to do this by yeah. myself. Yeah. I should be man enough to do it on my own. Yeah, right, exactly. But that's again a story and a habitual way of thinking. That's all it is. You're right. Yes. And every real man that you have a picture of a man like Bruce Lee mm. or the great athletes, they all had teachers. Yes. They, they, they got their greatness by asking for help, by show me how to do this. Mm. Yeah, like you say, all athletes and all the big, biggest performers always have coaches, even when yes. they're at the best of their uh, ability, even when they're at the peak of their careers, they'll, they'll always have a coach. Always. Right? Yes, beautiful. Thank you.
so the most important lesson is guys ask for help ask for support and and of course you may not get it always like it, it's possible that you might ask for help and you may not receive it from one particular person but that, that's not the end of the road right you need to keep asking like yes. you say in the book uh, the prosperous coach yes lives in the land of no i think that applies right. to not just getting clients but also getting support yes in different areas absolutely yeah don't be discouraged if i ask one person to help and they have their own victim stories running and they say why should i help you mm. i made it on my own you have, i'm not going to help you and 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 you say thank you and yes. move on and ask someone else thank you the next question which i have for you steve is what inspires you to do what you do now well i um for me it's just my own my own system i realized um about 10 maybe 15 years ago inspiration can be deliberate it it doesn't have to be accidental a lot of times people will tell you i went to a, a beautiful movie and it inspired me hmm. or i was miserable for 5 years and then i met someone who inspired me totally by chance yeah well i thought why does it always have to be by chance why can't i build it in to my to every day hmm. so so what books inspire me what people inspire me um so i have uh spiritual teachers that i love to and when i read their books if they're no longer alive i read their books and that inspires me i have um people in the world of business who are smart and innovative and creative and so i keep track of them and that inspires me so um i build inspiration into my day so if i read a great book beautifully written rather than in in my victim mindset i would say i could never write like that yeah they are so much better than me hmm. but today i want to allow that to inspire me oh maybe my next book could be closer to where that is so i want to um I used to call it the proper use of heroes. No most people just have a hero. Oh, I worship him, I could never be like him. Hmm. Or she's amazing, I could never be like her. Uh no, I the proper use of heroes is to um uh, allow yourself to be influenced by them. Allow yourself to be inspired by them. and and so that's what inspires me is um various teachers and um my coach inspires me um and and various people in various books spiritual books inspire me and but i want to make sure that it's a part of every day i don't just leave it out there and have it come in accidentally i want to build it in have a morning ritual so i don't start every day by looking at the bad news right and you know new, the the media is nothing about bad news there's no every once in a while I'll throw a little good news in there so their viewers don't all commit suicide because the, the ratings go down when the viewers disappear <laughs> um, but so i don't want to start my day that way because then i oh no oh gosh what a world are we living in so much hate mm-hmm. true but uh I, there's no hate in this beautiful book and so i want to i want to start my day with something that that inspires me you you've covered a part of my next question and my next question is that what do you attribute your success to like what are some of the habits that you've developed over years and that your clients have developed over years because it's not just you but like each and every one of your client 
have had amazing successes and at this point i really want to uh, like share uh, the reality that yesterday before we are having this conversation i i had a chat with ankush ankush jain from london and two days before that i had a chat with gary moller from canada and both of them ankush has been my coach previously which was of course recommended by you i messaged you back in 2015 and then you helped me so i thank you for that and like both of them have tremendous amount of respect for you and they've sent their love and like they've sent their regards so the question which i have is how do you become such a kind of a person like how do you become so impactful that everyone that i talk to about you has the same feedback like either i've heard them talk to me directly or i've read somewhere or i've heard them speak about in some other videos or some interviews but all of them have such high regards for you so let's say if i want to be become a person like you the way you are how does one be that well to keep it simple i had to start taking the focus off me like um what do i want people to think of me and what is my personal branding and what and and put more and more focus on other people and mike and i learned it from my coach if you can help someone really become who they can be um that's all you need to do don't worry about you so if you're working with ankush or gary moller um do your best to help gary become who gary can really be in the world and and not just create Gar gary's dependence on you like a lot of coaches want to create a relationship where i'll keep giving you little bits of advice but if you don't hire me then you lose all that right, right. i i want um my client to grow internally so they can do it on their own they don't need me anymore and um and if i can keep my focus more and more on assisting the other person with the transformation they want and and not get distracted or lured into thinking um i need to promote myself then uh then the result is great and people people seem to be grateful in the world for that experience for that that much focus on them uh when i'm with them so uh, i think that's the key to um someone in coaching that that's that's what happened with steve hardison because when he started he said i'm not going to have a website i'm not he he plays around on social media all the time now but he's he's got a waiting list of clients he's made millions of dollars in coaching so he doesn't do it to promote himself he does it for fun but he said i don't need any um public awareness of who i am i just need transformation to occur in this client i'm working with especially at the level of being not just little tips about doing now if that occurs i'm fine um because you cannot stop word of mouth when when a major difference has occurred in someone's life they talk about it everywhere they tell people about it they tell them how it happened yes so if i hold my focus on that then everything's fine down the road and and people do express gratitude when you talk to them and it happens naturally i didn't have to manage it how do i get gary and ankush <laughs> to spread the word about how good i am uh that that's not the path right 
make a big difference focus on that focus on the person that's in front of you and make the difference that's right that's it you share a lot about your coach and i'm just curious about what is it that inspired you to start working with steven i think it's been more than 20 years that you've been working with him now right yes so can you tell well, me a little he, bit about that story he showed up in a company i was working in and i wasn't a coach or a speaker i was a uh, advertising guy i was a marketing director and um he came into the company as an internal consultant and when he had conversations with me he said there is more in you than you see and i said really and he said you should be talking in front of the whole company i said no i can't i'm shy hmm. i'm afraid i'm a public speaking scares me uh i fear it more than death so i'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy uh <laughs> so he said um so so i met him there and um he left and finally he saw in me what i didn't see but but it was an accidental meeting and um that that's how i found him and and then when i left the company and he left the company to go on his own um i i hired him as my coach because every time i talked to him i was different i i emerged um with more possibility more enthusiasm about life and so i didn't want to lose that so uh i hired him to to work with me directly that's how that happened so what possibilities are you creating now because you're still working with him right yes well um i have books i'm writing that are more experimental than the one i just finished i just finished um a book on how to get clients and uh and now i'm moving into different subject matter and uh that i'm going to have more fun with and so look, that's possible and uh it there are a lot of different possibilities that were work not they're not achievement based so much mm-hmm. but they're based on um how to live um senior years cuz i'm in my 70s now yes in a way that isn't um a cliche traditional old man fading away giving up but but with as much enthusiasm as a child that's the possibility wow thank you thank you for sharing that So coming back to the question where we started this conversation is that what are some of the habits that you attribute your success to and if you could share a couple of things which uh, I and my listeners can adopt into their daily routine so that they can become more of who they can truly be um habit one habit is allow yourself more solitude and less distraction so that you can create your own path in life through your own wisdom instead of uh most people i coach and meet they spend all day um distracted and and all over the place like i read this blog i look at look at that i go on social media i I'm looking at my phone all day like um oh get back to this person so there's no solitude there's no settling into habitually choosing my own path so so develop the habit of um periods of solitude where where um all the noise coming at you is not there and your best creative ideas can come up 
So great creative ideas can only come up in that space of non-distraction. So that's habit, that, that's one habit. Another habit would be, um, like I said before, when you're working with someone who's paying you or who might pay you or someone you care about in any way, um, develop the habit of um, deep listening, focus, forgiveness, understanding, develop, that's a habit. That's how people relate, uh, how they relate when they're with you. You can tell people who, when they're with you, all they hear are their own thoughts. They don't hear you. They hear their thoughts about you or, or they hear their thoughts about what they should say next to you. They can't wait for you to stop talking. So that's a habit is to uh, settle that down, get out of that habit and listen to the other person's thoughts, not your own. And that's a vital habit. Another habit is to um, ask for help. If you don't, if you need help, ask for it. Don't have it mean anything negative about you. Have it mean habitually, remind yourself that uh, this is me accessing all the help the whole world wants to help, accessing interconnectivity that's there instead of me isolating with a false sense of separation hmm. now that takes practice because we grow up being told that we are separate disconnected uh lost and afraid in a world i never made and so so develop the habit of connecting to the rest of the world those would be the three habits that i think if people start to start there life turns around. Beautiful. Thank you. And uh, as we come towards the end of our today's interview, I just want, I have a few more questions. And one of the question is that, which are the books that you would recommend for someone to make the process of change easier? I would recommend um, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And um, I think the book I've most often given to people. And then um, for relationships, I would recommend The Relationship Handbook by George Prensky. It's a beautiful book. It's changed many relationships. And, um, and then from there, um, explore. And if, if a writer or a spiritual teacher calls to you, keep reading their books. Don't just put it, don't just put it away like it was a piece of cake you ate. Ah, oh, that was good. And, and it's lost forever. It gathers dust. If you read a book by... Deepak Chopra that you love, um, then what else has he written? And and go find him and, and, and let him stay in your life. So so the, those are three. Um, Deepak Chopra has a wonderful book out now about meditation. And it's not just one narrow form of meditation that he teaches, but it allows you to see various forms that you can do and how positively they affect your life. I forget the name of it, but you can find it. Sure. That's where I would start. And I, this reminds me of one of your favorite lines that you say to all your clients and that I've been told by my coach as well, that once for information and twice for transformation. Yes, that's really true, right? Because yes, I can read a book once and have a wow factor. Right? So, wow, I understand now that my thoughts aren't all true and I don't have to believe every negative thought about myself. And then it fades. I get it as information. Okay. That's good information. And our neuroplasticity, the brain changes. Oh, that's good information. But so what? Now I'm walking around with all this information, but I'm not changing. 
So uh, give it a little time and go back again and read the book more slowly. And, and then it drops in at a different level. But people don't think that, that people think, I already read it. I already have that information. Mm. Allow it to, to draw, allow it to influence you, allow it to become a part of you. Right. Thank you. I think there are so many more questions popping up. Maybe we could do a, an episode two sometime uh, later in the future. But uh, uh, respecting the time that we have right now, I think I, I'll wrap it up with this one simple question that if you were to go back and change something about your life, would you change it? If yes, then what would it be? And if not, then why not? Well, I don't think I would because I value, and we're just talking about circumstances here, I value even the, the greatest struggles. I wouldn't change, I wouldn't uh, want to lose that lesson. Right. Um, so it's a hard question to answer. Now, maybe 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, man, I would have changed this, and I never would have done that, and I wouldn't have gone to that college. I would have gone, I would have done this, and I, yes. I would have learned that. I would have changed. I can talk forever about things I did wrong. And, but I don't see that that way anymore. I see it as there's kind of a higher plan going on here. And those were lessons that had to be learned. Mm. Um, so I really, from where I'm sitting right now, I really wouldn't change a thing. Now, maybe if you ask me later, I'll have a different idea about it, but I don't have a good answer to that. I don't have anything that I wish had not happened all the people that i've had on my podcast till now and all of them whenever i've asked this question they've always answered that they wouldn't change a thing so i think there's a message there. there's a theme there that whatever is happening in your life right now whether it's not like it may not be up to your expectations right now but i think it's a part of the higher plan as steve said so Thank you, Steve. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. You're uh, welcome. As we uh, are now moving ahead, like where can people find more about you and how can they be connected to you? Well, if they go on my website, um, stevechandler.com, they can find everything that's going on. They can sign up for free uh, emails I send out to coaches every week and, and they can get free stuff. That's where I would recommend they go, stevechandler.com. Thank you. Uh, anything else that you'd like to mention which you think is really important but I haven't asked yet? I can't think of anything. I, I think your questions were very good and really covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Thank you. And just one last request that if you like, if imagine that your message for the next one minute is being broadcasted all across the world and on all the devices and on all the media, especially during these times when the world is going through a pandemic, uh, like if you could share your wisdom, which will give hope, which will give people possibility what would it be look for where you can help mm. look for where you can help and it can be doesn't have to be changing the whole world it can be a neighbor of yours who's um, elderly and is lonely just look for where you can help that would be my message beautiful beautiful look for where you can help thank you thank you so much steve thank you for all the things all the wonderful stories all the insights and the uh, wisdom that you've shared i'm truly blessed i would repeat that to be able to have this opportunity 
to be with you, to spend time with you, and to learn from you during this interview. I've thoroughly very enjoyed well. this process. Thank you very much. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you know someone inspiring and successful, please pass them on to me. I'd love to interview them and share their story. If you want to get coached to create the life of your dreams, connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Yayati Desai. That is Y A Y A T I D E S A I. You can also connect with me on my website at yayatidesai.com. Thanks once again for listening. Until next time, do something awesome.